Welcome back, Jamstackers. It's been a bit of time since last we talked, but I'm so glad to be back with you. You're listening to That's My Jamstack, the podcast where we ask the timeless, ageless, and incomparable question, what is your jam in the Jamstack? I'm your host, Brian Robinson, and this week on the show, we have Brad Garropy. Brad is a lead front-end developer at Adobe by day and a live code streamer by night. Before we dive into the episode, let me take a quick moment to thank our sponsor this week, Auth0. Stick around after the episode to hear more about their newly released full-stack Jamstack course, or head over to a0.to slash full-stack Jamstack. All right. Well, Brad, thanks for being on the show with us today. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a recently promoted lead front-end developer at Adobe, and... uh, the job description basically entails that I build uh, SaaS services for the Magento e-commerce platform. So you mean like software as a service things or another definition of SaaS? Yeah, software as a service. So imagine things like product recommendations or search that can be kind of tacked on to the e-commerce store. Uh, so what do you do for fun then, if that's what you do for work? Yeah, well, definitely for fun. I do a lot of uh, programming and side projects, but Away from the computer, I really like to work out. I'm into bodybuilding, powerlifting, running, all those types of things. Awesome. So, uh, so what what kind of is it like strength training? Is it are you doing like Olympic league like overhead presses for your powerlifting? What what's that entail? Yeah, like my training splits are typically like this. They start off with one of those powerlifting movements, like your like your bench press or your squat, or your deadlift. And then the rest of the training session kind of focuses around bodybuilding movements, like to to really stress out and uh, tear down the muscles. That sounds awful from somebody who doesn't do a whole lot of working <laughs> out. You know, it's funny. I found that a lot of um, developers actually take well to powerlifting because it's a it's usually a very structured program with. Uh, progression and percentages and numbers. And I think developers just uh, feel right at home when they have a lot of structure to training. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's kind of a logical, like I said, the progression is a, it's a logical thing and that tends to play well with the way our brains work. Exactly. Nice. So, uh, so this is a Jamstack podcast. So let's talk about the Jamstack a little bit. What was your entry point into this idea of either static sites or Jamstack as we kind of know it today? Yeah, it was interesting. I, I started learning web development at a really volatile time, like Create React app was just coming out and this notion of front-end frameworks was just really picking up. And um, my entry point into Jamstack was trying to make my first blog. And I had to think about, you know, uh, how do I source data but still make hosting cheap and free and easy? Yeah. Right. So uh, Gatsby was one of the first tools that I, I got to reach for. Uh, I did run Jekyll for just a little bit there, but Ruby Ruby uh, is difficult to work with. Yeah, definitely. As a, as if, especially if you're coming at it from like a front end development perspective and you all, all of a sudden have to do Ruby work like that, just that doesn't feel quite right. Yeah. Like my learning path was like HTML, CSS. What is this Jekyll thing? You know? <laughs> yeah. So eventually I kind of switched over to Gatsby and kind of hopped on the train with everybody else about like, this is kind of how you source data and and pre-generate pages, which made hosting 
you know, easy, simple, and free, which is, I'm a big proponent of free. Free is definitely a, a nice thing, especially, especially in like side projects like that. Like if you got a budget at work, like that's cool. You can use that budget. But when you just want a blog, like I don't want to pay $10 a month in hosting for that blog. Yeah. And, and Jamstack is really cool, especially with that philosophy, because uh, there, there are so many services around the Jamstack that the way they work is they offer free tiers and the free tier is just good enough for my use case. You know, I haven't built anything that's kind of broken out of that free tier. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where if, if a developer is using it on their personal projects or their little side projects that like they may then want to use that for bigger projects at work and they may find more enterprise clients that way, something along those lines. Exactly. Yeah. They, they, they can bait you in with some really good, um, premium features. Or just essentially just like scalability. Yeah, definitely. Like that, the, the scaling is always a always a fun challenge to to not have to worry about yourself. Absolutely. I I see my backend team at work constantly like thinking about how do we use Kubernetes to scale our API infrastructure and what happens when you know we release this to the public and there's a hundred thousand requests in you know thirty minutes. Uh, and they have so much to worry about with with us front end folks and with the Jamstack technologies. You kind of make your HTML pages, uh, add in a little JavaScript for interactivity and API calls, and they just get cached and served. Yeah, they just kind of, and it kind of works in the end. So uh, you talked about uh, building a blog. Uh, so obviously you've you've used Jamstack a little bit personally, but how are you using these philosophies uh, professionally now? But also a little bit on uh, more on the personal side too. Yeah. So the the blog, it's bradgarapy.com. It was my entry point into kind of building a site with real data and content. But uh, I've built many other like side projects that stemmed from there that kind of gave me my my base as a front end developer. So I built like uh, a little website for my wife's photography business that was done uh, on the Jamstack. I, I built dailytexascountry.com, which is like a, a Texas country music focused blog and community website and that sources data from all sorts of different places uh, and it uses Gatsby for that data sourcing uh, and I've even built uh, things on the Jamstack not using like um, Gatsby and React I built a Svelte application that in my opinion still very much adheres to the Jamstack to track uh, workouts Okay, cool. So, so uh, it's like when you say it still adheres to the kind of the Jamstack philosophy. Uh, what do you kind of see as that as that philosophy? Because a lot of people have different definitions of it. They do, yeah. Um, so, it, folks listening to the show probably know Jamstack stands for JavaScript APIs and markup. And so, this workout timer application is a single page application that I still believe falls into the realm of Jamstack. Uh, a single page application is still delivering uh, HTML, which is your index.html file, just happens to be pretty blank. Although you can kind of pre-generate the shell of the application uh, and then populate data inside of there. So this application is just a timer that runs and um, you can go to a page if you're logged in where you can fetch your previous workouts it, it saves it up to fauna db oh nice very cool uh so uh so also i'm kind of curious you said that the daily texas country it was a it was a te uh, texas country music blog but also a community what's the community aspect and how's that playing with the jamstack uh 
Yeah, I suppose what I mean is like I'm trying to bring the community together on that website. So I, I make ah, a bunch I of different okay. types of content. So I'll source YouTube videos that I make. I'll source blog articles and I'll source playlists to try to get folks to gather at that website. There, I I see the confusion there. There was no like notion of a, a user or a member where there's comments or anything. I kind of use the other platforms for that. I got you. And, and you're sourcing those and pulling them in, uh, you said, via the Gatsby source stuff, right? Right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, cool. So, so uh, we've talked a little bit about Gatsby, uh, but what is kind of your jam in the jam stack? What's your favorite service or philosophy, framework, et cetera? Man, I think this is the, the really cool part about the jam stack. And this is where uh, the A in the jam stack kind of <laughs> plays an important role. So like, first of all, hosting on the jam stack is great. Uh, Netlify is a tool yeah. that's universally loved, uh, and I am no exception. They, they make hosting your files easy, integrating with GitHub easy. It makes hosting serverless functions easy, uh, and even doing things like um, DNS management easy. If you opt into their DNS mm -hmm. servers, you can do like uh, redirects very easily or subdomains. Uh, just easy is the word that comes to mind. That's on the hosting side. Uh, another thing that I really like about the Jamstack is that there are so many services that support it. So this kind of brings me to like the A in Jamstack, where if you're coming at it from a front-end developer point of view, you can build a front-end, but you're looking for like, what is it that my app does? How do I connect it to services or, or databases? And that's where you kind of go searching for the A, the APIs. And I think it leaves developers in an interesting interesting place. They have to kind of choose what services to stitch together. And for some folks, that might be like a good thing or a bad thing, because at the end of the day, if you're choosing to uh, integrate a bunch of services together to create a, a product, you have to write a bunch of like glue code and you might reach more of like a fatigue in trying to determine what's the best service for CMS or a payment processor or a database. Yeah. And you even mentioned like the, the, the fact that you've got, uh, you have to string these services together. You have to figure out what is that string? How do I actually do the stringing of those services? That's right. Yeah. And this is where a lot of confusion can come into play. Uh, or if, if for instance, one service isn't as flexible as you want, then now you have to like migrate to a new one. Or if one service changes their pricing model, there's so much to consider. Uh, so I think the A in Jamstack is fairly overloaded. When when all the services work well together, you just kind of you're picking apples from the tree, and life is dandy. But when you kind of run into problems, you really have to like interact with those services, support teams or devrels, and try to find answers. Yeah. So so um, do you have any kind of uh, like? best practices to like try to avoid some of those those hiccups or are there any uh, any kind of tips or tricks that you that you've had to implement as you've been building some of these things yeah so one approach that i've started taking was uh don't rely on cms's if you don't have to if you don't have somebody else that's going to be modifying data on your website uh, i would opt not to use a cms first of all that means you can generally bring your content right into the repository where uh, the front end code is hosted and it's co-located, which is a good thing. You own your content at that point. Uh, what that does is it kind of helps saves you from like 
um, integration problems with your front end build tools. Like for instance, I was using Contentful for a while and I found that their Gatsby source plugin was missing some fields that I really, really wanted. And after working with like their, their dev rails and, and submitting like some issues, it was clear that like this stuff just wasn't going to be resolved. So that was one of the things that kind of forced me to move content into my repository. Another thing is like development environments. Uh, if you use Netlify for hosting, every one of your GitHub branches is actually turned into its own subdomain on Netlify so that you can have like immutable deploys to branches that have previews of content that's not actually published, which is so helpful. And sometimes getting a CMS to do that can be kind of difficult. There's definitely some overhead that kind of comes into play when you have to do that from a CMS, from, from any kind of API layer at that point. For sure. So like, I think mitigation wise is, is like own as much code as you can without reinventing the wheel. And then if you have to use a service, find one that's fairly popular or one that clicks with your mental model. And it just takes trying different services out to figure that out. Um, I recently worked with FaunaDB as like a, a serverless first database. And I found that after understanding their query language, it really clicked with my mental model of like, this is how my Jamstack site is going to work with a serverless first database. Yeah. Well, and the the interesting thing for me, Fauna is actually um, was the first like NoSQL like uh, schema list database that really clicked with me. Uh, like I'd used Firebase and some other stuff in the past, but it never never felt quite right. And then something about Fauna just uh, just hit me in the right spot, and and I built a couple of small apps with it now. Yep. Yeah, I built my Murphy app with it, and I'm pretty happy with it. Um, and I actually chose not to go with their GraphQL implementation. I'm doing just their, I guess, their JavaScript library implementation. And there's a lot of interesting things that you can do kind of in the in the back, how, how they work too, where they've got their, their FQL query language, their Fauna query language. And you can actually build out complex queries as functions that they have. And then you can actually just submit one like line of JavaScript and it runs that function uh, on their on their servers, which can be really, really handy. Yeah, and I found it like super helpful to build up a utility folder or like a utility file with like a bunch of um, CRUD operations written out in FQL. So if you want to read all posts or read a single post or edit a post and you just kind of build out those CRUD operations, then they're like building blocks you can use in your serverless functions that, you know, you might have route handlers for each one and then you just call out to that specific utility function. It, it just it almost felt like I wrote kind of an express app without having to set up <laughs> like all of the boilerplate, you know, yep. and uh, it was just really easy to deploy things to Netlify. Yeah. And like the, the interesting thing to me too, is that like, honestly, the FQL language kind of broke my brain a little bit. It was, it was very difficult for me to get into, but there was a moment and it was like two days into working with it where all of a sudden, like it was like the matrix. I could all of a sudden like see my queries happening and like understand exactly where it was coming from. So there's definitely a hurdle there because it's a new language, but it's a, uh, it can be very, very beneficial, I think. Yeah, I, I was very lucky in that I had the help of uh, DevRel from Fauna. I was actually streaming mm. and tagging them and everything that I was doing. Next thing you know, I got a DevRel sitting in uh, chat and then he joined up on a discord server that I'm in and he, he really worked with me 
side by side to like improve my queries, discuss options. Uh, I even got invited to like a feedback call where I could, Ooh, nice. you know, talk to them about the decisions I made and how I use fauna and areas I see for improvement. And that's another thing about the Jamstack. I just feel like all the companies are very much like developer experience first and they're willing to engage and they they hire uh, developer relations people and they do a really good job at reaching out. Yeah, and I think I wonder if that has anything to do with kind of the uh, to your point on the A in the Jamstack, the API layer and how you really do kind of need uh, developers on your team to be able to to utilize the Jamstack properly. And I wonder if, that, if that's you know, the defining characteristic of a Jamstack company is how well they manage their developer community because that's that's who really buys in and, and makes all this work. Yeah, like if the A is truly kind of just a bunch of services that you have to go utilize, they have to know who their customers are. They have to know who they're delivering to. Cool. So uh, let's talk music. What's your actual jam right now? What's your favorite song or musician? Or I know you you, you run a website about music, so hopefully you've got some uh, some hot takes here. Yeah. So uh, that daily Texas country website is all based around a playlist that has like twelve hundred Texas country songs, and uh, it's are, are just there like, actually twelve hundred Texas country songs? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, this oh, is wow. only like a very select subset of the ones that, that are curated by me, you know? So it's a, it's a big genre cause it's a big state. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah definitely. Anyways, there's a, a up and coming kind of artist. He's 21 years old, just turned 21. His name is Colby Cooper. And uh, I love like basically everything that he does. So it's it, it, what out of curiosity. So what is Texas country as compared to country with a capital C? Yeah. Okay. So I think the main difference is a country that kind of comes out of Nashville. You kind of view like there's a Nashville epicenter of country music and there's like a Texas epicenter of country music. The difference is the giant labels like Sony and Columbia are producing records out of Nashville uh, that that sound overproduced. They use uh, drum machines. They use snap tracks, uh, all these different pop music elements in country music that Texas country music fans don't view as like traditional country music. Whereas in Texas, you're typically recording in like a very modest studio. Uh, you expect to have like a fiddle in the band. That's definitely true. And or like a steel guitar, like more rich, natural instrumentation. And then you typically just have like guys being very honest in lyrics, just talking about everyday stuff is texas country the the hipster country of the country world so i think i think i think nashville folks looking in would say <laughs> that but i think texas people looking out would say no nah, this this is the original we are the one true country gotcha M mind you i'm from tennessee so <laughs> i don't actually like the the nashville the nashville scene but uh but i guess i guess it's been it's flavored my my knowledge of the genre i think the coolest part about texas country music is that like you can go to a concert on any given Friday or Saturday night for like 15 bucks. You know, you're not going to have to pay $70 for an arena seat. You can go see your favorite artist right around the corner, you know, any given weekend. Nice. Very cool. Uh, so is there anything that you would like to promote, anything that you're doing that you really want to get out to the Jamstack community right now? Yeah, I'm actually like a much smaller content creator uh, than the crowd I hang out with. And so I would love to like try to build up my 
my Twitch and my Twitter a little bit more. So I'm Brad Garropy, twitch.tv slash Brad Garropy. I stream like weeknights, uh, like 10 p.m., fairly late. So I'm a night owl. <laughs> and Twitter, it's twitter.com slash Brad Garropy. Uh, I try to tweet out some tips every now and then and just keep y'all informed about the projects that I'm working on. So, so what are you, uh, what are you streaming most nights? What, what kind of code are you working on? Yeah. Um, I work on react. I work on Svelte, but lately it's been a lot of Svelte because of this Murphy app. I've been live streaming the entire development process of the Murphy app written in Svelte on the front end and serverless functions and fauna DB on the back end. Very cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show with us today, and I hope you keep doing some amazing things both at Adobe as well as in all these uh, awesome side projects you got going on. Thanks a lot for having me, Brian. Thanks again to Brad for coming on the show this week, and thanks to you, our listeners, for listening each and every week, week after week. Now it's sponsor time, and I'm really, really excited to talk to you about a free course that our friends at Auth0 have released. This course is going to cover building a full stack Jamstack application with Next.js, Airtable, Auth0, and Tailwind CSS. Now, Next.js is going to be the front-end framework. You'll learn all about designing with Tailwind CSS. Airtable is going to be for your database. And of course, for authentication, we're going to be using Auth0. So to watch this course, head on over to a0.to slash fullstackjamstack for all the details. And of course, thank you for sticking around to the end, listening to our sponsors, visiting our sponsors, all that good stuff. Until next time, keep doing amazing things on the web and keep things jamming.